grateful for our worship team. Um, Earlier when Nick was praying, he uh, reminded me that uh, we learn a lot about our thinking, about what we believe by how we pray. And uh, in our prayers, we see what we believe about God. In our prayers, we hear what we believe about other people. In our prayers, we believe about we hear what we believe about ourselves and about life. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Listen just for a minute or two here at a few prayers and ask yourself this. In their prayers, what are they thinking? What are they believing? Jared, start us out. Dear God, I really need your help today. I have a history exam, fourth period, and I forgot to study for it. Help me get an A or my parents will ground me. And God, I'd really like for our next game against Avon for us to win. Oh, yeah. Please help my grandma to get better. Amen. Dear God, thank you for this day. Oh, it's such a busy day today. I have to go to the grocery store and clean the house and take Luke to his soccer game. I've got to remember to bring treats for the whole team. Finish the laundry. Oh, I've got to read that chapter for my connection group. Oh, Lord, is there any way that you can please make the kids behave? I just don't know what I'm going to do if they start throwing fits. I'll never make it through this day. Oh, God, give me strength. Dear God, I pray for our kids and grandkids today. May they grasp their salvation. Start again. Dear God, I pray that you would... Bless our kids and grandkids today. Lord, would you be with them today? Give them a good day today. Free from problems and concerns. Remove their stress and troubles, and ours too. Send your blessings down on all of us today. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Um, those are nice prayers, weren't they? Um Let's go to a prayer of Paul, and let's take a look at a prayer from Paul. And I appreciated those prayers, but lovingly, I would say, those were some pretty wimpy, bad-filled theology prayers. And now you're wondering, what in the world is he up to? Let's go to the scriptures today and take a look at Paul. And I want for us to look at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, we've got some for you to borrow. We want for you to be using a Bible. We're big on the Bible around here. We want your eyes in it for you to be following through with it there. Just uh, grab one of these people's attention and they'll get you a Bible you can use. But today, I pray that we get what we've got. And let me say it this way. I pray that we get what we've got. In fact, let me do that right now for us, okay? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us this morning to grasp you better. 
to get you in a deeper understanding. God, help us this morning to get what you've already given us. I mean, you have fully blessed us. You've redeemed us. You have sealed us. You have called us. You have equipped us. You have empowered us. Yet the reality is, God, we struggle with grasping all that. But for the person who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, that, frankly, plus a whole lot more, has already been given to us. God, I pray this morning that we get what we've already got. We need your help. We are totally dependent on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Well, Paul is writing this letter to the people of Ephesus and the surrounding area there, kind of in Asia Minor. He is uh, presently under house arrest by Rome. It has been a number of years since he's been in Ephesus with these folks. He had lived with them for two to three years at one point in time, investing in them, seeing them come to Christ, seeing them grow, just watching them develop. And this guy loves these people. And he heard something about them and something good. And he's writing in response. And and let's just go at it. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Oh, by the way, do you remember that the very first two verses of Ephesians is one sentence? That was kind of a couple weeks ago. We were getting our introductory take on what uh, Ephesians was all about, the history behind it. And do you remember, if you were here last Sunday, that verses 3 through 14 were one sentence in the original Greek? In other words, there's one flowing, continuous movement of thought. The verses we're hitting on now, verse 15 through 23 through the end of the chapter, chapter, that was one more sentence. You get the idea that Paul loved commas and semicolons and all this kind of stuff, but it's really important to understand that because the flow of thought is continued. And our translations have it broken into sentences because that's just how we we can't grasp a long sentence like that frankly and so it's broken up for us but i bring that up to understand this is not a a a a sectored bunch of words that don't really fit together all these words are moving towards a thought now the yellow sheet that i had available today out front if you have that that's just a diagram of this of this passage, this is the last week, I'm probably going to do that for you, but two weeks in a row, I wanted for you to be able to see a long passage, a long sentence, kind of diagrammed out, and you are welcome to follow along with that, to be able to see how this passage moves. But let's get started in the very beginning of this passage. Here we go. Verse 15. For this reason. Well, here's a question. What reason? Well, usually for this reason, something like that is referring back to what was previously said. Well, what was previously said? Well, it could have either have been the very last thing of what was said, because remember, the last thing was one sentence. It could have been the last thing that was said, which was that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit for an eternal inheritance. Or it could be kind of all of the concept of what was said in the sentence before. Different people think some different things. Personally, I think it has to do with kind of the whole concept of what was said before uh, this passage. So what was said before? 
this. The Father blessed us. The Father chose us. The Father predestined us. The Son redeemed us. The Son gave us an eternal inheritance. And the Spirit sealed us in our salvation. By the way, that's one pretty rock and good reason. For I don't know what he's going to talk about. Well, I do. But I don't know yet as we're reading this. But whatever it is, it's based off of for this reason. (laughs) Good stuff coming. For this reason, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I have heard your faith, of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Now, Paul heard of this. He's been in Rome under uh, house arrest for a period of time. So he can't leave the, where he's at right now. But yet someone comes and he is told what's going on back in the place in Ephesus and the surrounding area. And he hears two things, or at least he notes two of the things that he's heard. What was the first one? Faith. Okay, faith what? Faith in the Lord Jesus. Okay, it was faith. And he's not referring just to the time where they came to faith in Christ, where they heard that they were sinners, separated from God, that Jesus Christ, God, came on earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, paid the payment for my sins, and received that gift as my uh, covering, as my redemption for my situation, and chose to live for him. It's not just referring to that, but it's also referring to the ongoing faith. The faith that is being lived out that it continues with them. And it's a faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, these people are living through the grid work, living life through the grid work of Jesus Christ. For us today, I would term it this way. They're living like this. And so as I go around life, and I see things that are happening in my life and what's taking place. The election, the hurricane, my work, my kids, my uh, football game coming up. You know, all these various things that are taking place. I am looking at life through the lens of the scriptures. These are people, they didn't even have the New Testament, by the way. But they were looking at life through the grid work of a redeemer. And all that that had on their life. And Paul, you, you just got to hear Paul sitting back going, yeah, that's my posse, <laughs> don't you? I mean, here he is. Listen, he refers to them. He says, I've heard that you are the kind of people that are continuing in your faith and living it out for Jesus Christ. What was the second thing he says? His second thing he says is that he has love for all the saints. Love for all the saints. These are people that love each other. By the way, it's really interesting in this passage that it doesn't say that you just love all people. And in fact, it doesn't even say that you love unbelievers. One of the characteristics about this group is they loved each other. Now, if I'm going to love someone else, that requires a couple things of me. One, that means I have to be around other believers. And in this day and age, we live in a mindset more and more, where believers in Jesus Christ are completely isolating themselves from believers. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that we be around other believers. And not only that we be around them, but if I'm going to love someone else, that means I have to see them as God sees them. Because it's really love, easy to love people that you really love, right? But then there's those special people. For whatever reason that you just don't click with, that they're just unique, 
that for whatever thing takes place. Notice in here it says that they loved all the saints. And to have that, you not only have to be around them, but you have to see people as God sees them, as redeemed people, sinners redeemed. And one of the things we want to have happen around this church is that we don't go around thinking like, oh, everybody's got it figured out. No, 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 no. If we're going to love people, that means that we look at each other and go, sinner, sinner, big sinner, mega sinner, super sinner, really super mega sinner, redeemed by Jesus Christ. And so what? you got problems. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Let's cut the image. Let's cut the junk. And let's live faithfully in Christ and love one another, even when it's hard. Love means being around people. Love means seeing people as God sees them. And loving other people means action. I can say that I love you, but if I don't do anything, I really don't love you. I just have nice thoughts of you. These are people who are loving one another. They're loving one another. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. Okay, let's hold there here for a minute. He says, I do not cease to give thanks. This was a guy who was thankful for these people. He invested two to three years of his ministry life in these people, and he hears what's going on, and he's just thankful for them. Kind of along with the loving thing, I just have to ask here. Are you a thankful person for others? Are you thankful for other people? You know, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I just catch myself going around life, and I am the center of the universe, right? And everybody else is there to serve me. And when you bother me, and I've got that kind of mindset, I'm like, what's with that, Doug? What's with that? Instead, it's the kind of thing where Paul was just thankful for these people. And not only, notice he says he was thankful for them all the time. All the time he was thankful for them. As well as all the time he was praying for them. All the time. I mean, Paul's part of it is like, what else has he got to do? Hey, listen, it's not just because he's under house arrest that he has all this free time to be praying for people. But he's just praying for them all the time. That was just Paul. That's what he was about. And what's he praying? And he's praying, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, who's he, who's he pointing to here? Which one of the Trinity? He's, he's keying in on the Father. Okay, so Paul is laying out a prayer here, and he's saying he's directing it to the Father. And he's saying, Father, would you give them something? I wonder what he's going to ask for. Let me give you some suggestions that could be. He's going to pray for their prosperity. Maybe that's it. That they would prosper. That the Father would just allow them to prosper. Oh, that's okay. Maybe that's going to be it. Maybe he's going to pray that they'll get a church building. Because they're, you know, they were probably meeting in a theater too. And maybe they needed a building. Or maybe he was going to be praying that God would just remove all of their problems in their life. You know, God, it would just be so much better. The ministry would be so much more effective if you would just remove all the problems for those dear people that I love. Oh, God the Father, would you please do that? Or maybe he's going to pray that they would have career success. Or that they would be healthy and happy. Because we want, 
healthy, happy people for Jesus. That's what it's all about. I mean, the gospel is about being happy and healthy, right? Uh, Right? Okay, thank you. Just want to make sure. No. I know. Maybe he's going to pray that God the Father would be with them. Because maybe he's not. You see, an omniscient God, maybe he's just not with them. Maybe an omnipotent God, or maybe he doesn't know of them. Maybe he doesn't, isn't with them as one who is everywhere. But maybe there's just like a little bubble there, and he needs to be praying that God would be with them. Have you ever prayed that? As time's going on more and more, I'm like, what's with that? Be with. God's going, um, I am. So what's he going to pray? Hmm. Verse 17, that the God, of the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know that's what paul was praying now what does that mean let's go back well the word spirit by the way the word spirit in the new testament pneuma the word spirit is is one that has to be translated within its context the word spirit can mean wind it can mean breath it can mean a a human spirit it can mean the holy spirit and oftentimes, if the, the word the or the definite article is before it, most all the time, that is referring to the Holy Spirit. But yet there's a lot of times where the definite article is not before the word, and we have to make an interpretation based on the context. So various people, in fact, if you have a New International Version, look in your version, and you will see that the word spirit in that text is with what kind of an S? Small s or big S? With a big S. Big S equates to what? The Holy Spirit. Okay, the writers of the New International Version made, had to, which is the proper thing to do, had to make a translation decision. Is it referring to the Holy Spirit? I don't think it's referring to breath or wind, okay, because of context that makes no sense. But so is it referring to the Holy Spirit or to human spirit? That New International Version made the choice of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have an English Standard Version or a New American Standard Bible, what is your S? A small s, which was referring to the human spirit. Isn't that interesting? Okay, class dismissed. Okay. Now, I, I do want for you to know that in so, some of the discussions that take place, this is, what is this referring to? And, and it's actually, it, it, both sides have some very good points. I don't want to get into it all. i just tell you what I think. <laughs> Here's what I, I think is referring to the human spirit. And let me give you two reasons why. I think it's referring to the human spirit. Number one, Because at the time of salvation, when a person comes to Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are given the Holy Spirit. So here, if Paul is praying that they may get more of the Holy Spirit, we'll cover that here in just a second. I think there's some theological problems that are taking place with that, as well as I think just the context fits here. Now, let me put it this way. So the word spirit. I think here in this, well, spirit, and he's speaking of spirit and revelation, two words that are synonyms, sort of cinnamon, cinnamon buns, 
sort of synonyms. Uh, the spirit of revelation, something that is revealed. It's God's imparting knowledge. It's kind of the uncovering, the exposing. Now, remember that the people at this time did not have the New Testament. And so this was a really good thing to be praying because they didn't have the New Testament to scour over like we do today. In fact, it was being written right in that letter. Okay, well, that's one. That's revelation. The other is of wisdom emphasizes the use of knowledge. One is kind of the knowledge. The other is the use of knowledge. And so Paul is praying here for them that they would have the knowledge and the wise use of knowledge. And in this, uh, as I was referring, I don't think this is talking about the spirit that God, the Holy Spirit would give them an additional blessing of revelation and wisdom. In essence, I would think this. Let me kind of go back on that, rephrase it. The spirit of God is the one who helps us get it. Right? Okay. And I'm not trying to beat details here. But in this, I think he is praying, God the Father, would you help these people to form out a disposition, an ability to be able to get it? That they would have learners' spirits about them. And the Spirit is the one who helps us to get it. So, Here Paul is praying for these people. God, help them get it. Well, he goes a little bit more here and defines that. Help them get the knowledge of him. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's what he's talking about here, if you want a picture of it. So in other words, he's praying for these people that the eyes of their hearts. By the way, hearts, in modern context, I would point to my head and say our hearts. Because in our culture, we think ooey-gooey feelings. Okay, would you just help them to feel all emotively lovely and sweet and kind and like a puppy? You know, that's not what's being talked about here. In other words, Paul's praying, God, I pray that their thinking would just come to the ability to see you, to see truth. Have you ever been someone around where you're just like, they don't get it? Maybe at work? Maybe at school? You know, even in athletics at times, it's kind of like, you know, bless their hearts. They're trying so hard, but they just don't quite get it. (laughs) And and people with other, and then there are people where I've used this. You know what? They get it. That there's someone who just gets it. Uh, Their eyes of their hearts are enlightened. Now, if I were to turn all the lights off in here. And then we we're to take a flashlight. I thought about doing it, but I didn't want to scare you. And then we'd take a flashlight, and it's kind of like as the things, the lights come on, it's like, wow, there's people in here. I thought it was just me. No, there's others in here. That's what he's talking about. Paul is praying for these people that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. What a different angle of a prayer. You remember the prayers up here? Help me win the football game. Help me get an A even though I didn't do my due diligence. Jared, way to go, buddy. <laughs> you, you know, just be with my kids. You know, uh, and here Paul is praying, God, I pray that my kids, his spiritual disciples, would be the kind of men and women, oh, God, give them the ability to get it. Paul is not praying 
that believers would get something that they don't have. Paul is not praying that they would get something that they don't have. Paul is praying that they would get something that they do have. Let me read a statement by John MacArthur. I love this. It's tragic that many believers become entangled in a quest for something more in the Christian life, for something special, something extra, that the, quote, ordinary Christian life does not possess. They talk of getting more of Jesus Christ, more of the Holy Spirit, more power, more blessing, a higher life, a deeper life, as if the resources of God were divinely doled out one at a time like so many pharmaceutical prescriptions. Or we're unlocked by some spiritual combination that only an initiated few can know. To say I want to get all of Jesus there is implies that when we were saved, Christ did not give us all of himself. That he held some blessings in reserve to be parceled out to those who meet certain extra requirements. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have all you need. You have all that God has for you. And we tend to pray for things that we think we don't have. Paul is praying that they would get what they have. The problem is not a lack of blessing, but a lack of insight and wisdom to understand what the vast blessing the believer has. Prayers like, God be with. Bad theology. If I can just be so bold... God's with them. Give me strength. Give me power. You have, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have all the power that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit has available. You have it. You don't need to pray for more strength or more power. You need to pray for the ability to apply all of the strength and the power that has been given to you and me. God, show me your way. I'm, I'm all for that. But can I say this? What are you expecting? Like to wake up in the morning and it's all written on the ceiling. Now, would that not be cool? I would love that if God worked that way myself. I would just love it. Like, God, what do I do? Oh, bam. It's just, you know, especially if the finger would move and write it. That would even be cooler. You know, and just the whole thing. And it's like, seriously, when we pray and say, God, would you show us? What are you expecting? First, do this. What do the scriptures have to say about that? Yeah, but Doug, I'm making a decision about a job. Yeah, but Doug, I'm making a decision about school. Yeah, but Doug, I'm making a decision about my career. Okay, but what does that say? And yet we're like, God, just help me. I'm like, I'm going to tell you, this has rocked my thinking about prayer this week. And if I'm kind of talking to you about someone who's like trying to get it myself, I'm really trying to get this. In Jesus Christ, we have everything. There is nothing more that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's not, you don't have 50% and then God's waiting to add another 10 until you do something right. That's called works-oriented thinking and living. You've got it all. The issue is, Am I learning how to apply what God has given me? 
All right, now we're going to jump into the notes, uh, in the sermon notes, because this is, that's what he's prayed, but he narrows it down to three things that he prays. Listen to what he prays. Number one, that you may know three things. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope to which he has called you? All right? That was the Spirit calling. So Paul says, I am praying that they know what the hope of, the, of their calling is. The hope of the call. And I just say, do I pray this? Do I pray this for you? Do you pray this for me? Do you pray this for others? For your kids, for your family, for the others here? Do you pray that, God, I hope they would get what their calling is all about? Paul never forgot that he was called out and that he was called out to a calling. Our calling should encourage and just drive us. The scriptures say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can I maybe reorient that? The harvest is plentiful, but the people who get the fact that they are called out to live as ones to serve Jesus Christ with their lives, that's few. Our calling is to live for him and to make disciples for him. And are you doing that? And if not, let me encourage you. It's time to pick it up. He is praying, what is the hope of which he has called you? Secondly, what are the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints? Uh, his, the riches of his inheritance. Listen, folks, we are his, uh, two aspects. We are Christ's inheritance. Really cool. Uh, you think of that. Well, because I'm so worth it? No. What makes me of any kind of value to God himself is his redeeming work. And we are the ones, because sinners separated from God, when we come to know him, we become the ones who exhibit the reality of his redeeming work. And we are his inheritance. But listen, we have an inheritance that we covered last week. You have an eternal inheritance. We were adopted by God. How cool. How so cool. And we have an inheritance. And it's not an inheritance that it's like, oh, I just want to sit and count my money. That's not what he's talking about. Paul here, again, he is praying that they would get their calling, and he's praying that they would get their inheritance. By the way, inheritance has the concept of the future. God deals with us on the basis of our future, not our past. We live as believers in Christ on the future tense of things. I'm so glad for that. You remember in chapter 1, those of you in a small group reading through this last week, one of the faulty methods of change was talking about always concentrating on the past, caught on in the past. I just want to say this. How cool. God is all about the future. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, putting the past behind and moving towards what's ahead. And let me tell you, this boy had some past. And he's able to move ahead. Aren't you just glad that God is future-oriented? He's using today and the future. And we are the kind of people, am I getting that? 
Are my kids getting that? Are you getting that? We need to be praying for each other that we would get that. That we would understand the inheritance to which we were called to. And third, verse 19, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. I advanced ahead one. What kind of power, Doug? Let's look at the text. Because the rest of the text explains the kind of power. Point, can you bring up point number three for me? That'd be great. We'll get it. The immeasurable greatness of his power. The immeasurable greatness of his power. His divine, dynamic, eternal power available to the believer. All the power we would ever need, we have. Yeah, but Doug, I'm not seeing it. That's why Paul was praying for these people that they would get it. They've got it, but he's praying that they get it. We don't have to ask for more power. We've got it. Listen, God's enemy wants us to think and live in the past, to think that there is no hope, no purpose, no inheritance, and no power. And Paul prays that they would get their hope, that they would get their call, that they would get their inheritance, they would get their purpose, and they would get the power of what has been made available to them. Are you getting it? Look at the power. His power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might, verse 20, that he worked in Christ. By the way, all of the power that's going to be communicated here is about the working that was done, the power of the work done in Christ. That he worked in Christ when he, number one, raised him from the dead. When he, number two, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. By the way, that seating, it's far above all rule is far above all authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Verse 22. And three, he put all things under his feet. And four, he gave him his head over all things to the church. Can I just say something? That's a whole lot of stinking great power. Because I can't do that, you can't do that, no one can do that, but God can do that. And that's just an example of what God can do. And because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we know that God has the power to raise us from the dead, who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And because God seated him, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, with him in heaven, we are secured in knowing the fact that God has the power to be able to place us with him in heaven one day. Yeah, bring it on. I just want to tell you, God's got some serious power. God's just got some really cool, serious power. But do I get it? Seriously. Do I get it? Now that was a prayer. God... I pray that these people would have an ability, a learner spirit, a discernment about them, that they would be wise and uncover in their thinking and as they look at life who you are and what you have for them. God, I pray that. I pray that they would get your call for them. I pray that they would get the inheritance that they have in you. And God, I pray that they would get the reality of the power that is availed to them through you.
God, I could pray for success. I could pray for all this other stuff. But you know what? I just want to pray, pray, pray that they get you and what you've done in them and through them. Well, maybe this passage has revealed some bad theology and prayer for you. It's been interesting for me this week. Last night and this morning, and Karen and I were praying at dinner last night and on the way over here this morning, and um, I'm thinking as I'm praying, hmm, how does that fit with what you've learned this week, Doug, about God? It's been interesting. Very interesting. What am I praying? Am I praying some wimpy theology? Let's get over that. And let's go to some meat. So maybe it's the kind of thing we've been praying, some bad theology. Maybe it's the kind of thing I'm, I have a mystical mindset, kind of where I'm, 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 or a works mindset. Now listen, God is not about this hocus-pocus, spiritual, wiffle-dust stuff. Can I just tell you? Look at the scriptures. It's so practical. And we can get so caught up in all the wiffle-dust stuff. And it's like, let's just do life and truth. We have to know what that is. Maybe I need to just confess that I've got a small view of God. Here's another one. Maybe if you're struggling with how big God is, get uh, James McDonald's book, Grip by the Greatness of God. Dig into that one and get gripped. Uh, maybe you've been realizing that uh, you're kind of living as a pauper Christian sitting at the king's table. That in other words, I'm sitting at the table of all that has been availed to me, not for my selfishness, but for God's glory. But maybe I'm sitting at the table and I'm starving to death. And there's an entire banquet feast right in front of me. And I need to learn how to feast in it. Not for my glory, but for the king's glory. Or maybe I need someone's help to understand how to do that. Let's humble ourselves and let's be real about it. Admit our blindness and get at it. Well, let's do this. Let's pray. Can we do that? Can we? Can we do that? Let's pray. And uh, let's come before a big God. Let's pray. God, I want to start out just by uh, confessing the number of times... I pray like a wimp. The number of times I pray looking at the circumstances taking place around me and for my own personal objectives, my own personal comfort. God, we struggle with it. You know that. I just, this week, I've just been wondering, what have you been thinking about our prayers? Sometimes I wonder if you laugh. Other times I wonder if it just breaks your heart. And other times, I think you are just thrilled to pieces. Lord, I pray we would be teens, that we would be young adults, that we would be men and women who pray like we understand you more. God, here Paul is praying for these dear people. You're doing great things through them. They just, so many of the characteristics about them remind me of the people here. Faithful people. 
loving people. And yet, God, it's all because of you. Father, I pray we would be the kind of people that come to understand more and more. We grow in understanding the call that you've laid out for us to honor you with our lives, to bring you glory with what we think and with what we do. God, I pray that we'd be the kind of people that serve you, where we don't separate our work career from our spiritual life. It's all one. God, I pray that we'd be the kind of people that are really passionate about making disciples for you, about winning people to Christ, and about discipling people in Christ. God, I pray we would get that. And God, I pray we would get the reality of the inheritance that, you've, that you have given to us and the reality of the inheritance that we are. God, I pray that we would just get that, that we would be so blown away by it, humbly realizing we don't deserve any of it, that we would just grow in the reality of the marvelous inheritance that you've made available to us. God, I pray that we would get that so it would change how we live. And God, I would pray, would you help us to grow in the wisdom and the uncovering understanding of what it means to have the power of the almighty God availed to us. Not for hocus pocus world, but for living out for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and for all of eternity coming to praise you. God, I pray we would be the kind of people that get your power. Lord, we would be people of your word where the spirit of God uses the word of God and the people of God. God, may we be those kind of people. And Lord, I pray, would we be the kind of people that pray more like this? Dear God, I know I really blew it studying for my history test. Please help me to learn from my mistakes and accept my consequences, whatever they are. Help me to be wiser next time. And God, I really do pray for my grandma. God, I love her so much. Please take care of her. I know you have the power to do anything. Give her hope to know that you are with her and want to grow and use her even though she isn't feeling good. God, thank you for another day to walk with you, to love my kids and teach them about you. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of their hearts to understand you more and more every day. God, even if I don't get everything done today, help me to enjoy the time that I have with the kids. They really are a blessing from you. Thank you that you've given me the strength and power to be your kind of mom. Dear God, I pray for our kids and grandkids today. May may they grasp their salvation and your call on their lives. May they see you big today and savor your work in their lives. Thank you that you have given them everything that they need to live for you. The power, the strength, the hope of life with you. Give them the wisdom that they need to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, help help me to know know you better better and better. better. Every day. Amen.
respond uh, to what we've been listening to, uh, what we've heard in His Word, and what the Spirit's been prompting us, and we would respond in song. This morning, I believe that it's appropriate that we spend some time responding in prayer. So why don't you take the next uh, few minutes and confess to God, my prayers have been pretty shallow. And uh, confess to Him uh, your need for His help and His wisdom and uh, that you would see that wisdom. So why don't you take the next few moments and pray. If you need to pull out that Ephesians 1 passage and have it in front of you to help you, do that. And let's just take a few moments and, and pray the right kind of prayers before our Lord. that this is all about you. 
It's all about your glory. It's all about us displaying your glory to those around us. Father, I pray that you would transform our hearts and our minds and our prayers. for the opportunity to learn from your word and to gather in the name of Jesus. We love you. We're grateful for all that you've done in Jesus Christ and we draw upon your power for life this week. In Christ's name. Hey, thanks for being with us this morning, and uh, we pray that you have a, a, a good week glorifying Him. Thanks.